and gentlemen, your attention, please. Just a catching yeah. strays over here. <laughs> You're in for a hell of a show. Keep the faith. Hold the line and own the libs. It's time for our main event. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program in a new year. Here we are. I hope everybody had a nice New Year's, and we're continuing the good work of the Variety program. Hardest working folks in Joe business. That's right. Never a day off. Yeah, a New Year, same me. Just as angry. He's even more pissed. <laughs> hope you're happy. He's yeah. even more pissed. That's, that's I aim to be angrier and meaner. Yeah, my New Year's resolution is to try to get ratioed more on Twitter. Good. Anger uh, every fan of every candidate in this country, if possible. And uh, I don't know. That's a good one. I think it's pretty good, right? That's, That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Well, it's a new year. It's obviously a big one in 2024. We're having a big presidential election. Lots to cover. We look forward to doing it all year long with you uh, as we go about doing this. But we're going to start the new year where we left off 2023 with a part two of a very special episode of questions and answers. We owe it to you as an audience to be able to uh, write in and ask whatever the hell you want so far in terms of part one, I feel like there was a couple of showstoppers there that threw me off my game a little bit. I mean, excellent questions. And, you know, if it's a sign of things to come, this should be a pretty entertaining one. And, the, and you know, the reception from the audience was pretty good for the last one, so I'm excited for yeah, this. Yeah, uh, uh, part one, uh, you called me like a nerd and a virgin <laughs> for like three minutes, and then I tacked you back and said, you don't look as good on camera as you think. I y- think. Yeah. So it's yeah. A pretty, I think it's a pretty good Q&A. Well, it was. Yeah, I think that's, that's basically, you got the gist of it, yeah. folks. That's just about the way things work around here. So be prepared for fireworks is all I'm saying. You don't, you don't want to miss these episodes because they're pretty freewheeling. And just enjoy my excellent skin. Uh, so, so, so here we go. Uh, before we start, I do want to say our YouTube is blowing up. People seem to love that. If you haven't subscribed to that yet, you got to go to our YouTube page. I think you're going to love it because you can see the the skin and and the, sh- <laughs> and, and the skin and the sh- and the shenanigans. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, we're going to start where we left off. A new question, and the first one I believe goes to Smash. Where do we start here, pal? Okay, this one is from uh, RJ and KJ. It's a dual submission, and okay. the question is: Hi. Came to the show through Megan, like a lot of others, but in no criticism to the wonderful job Megan does. Uh, but the fellas have replaced her as my number one listen to podcast. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. As an Australian. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I feel like that's even doubly amazing on wow. the amount of times that we've insulted. Down under. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. As an Australian, I'm amused by the talk of the attacks on the animal kingdom. <laughs> I'm sure. Mm-hmm. They know. They know down there. Nobody knows the, it like they do. The testing ground for Satan. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a Tuesday here in Australia where most animals try to kill one another on a daily basis. Yeah. Perhaps in the coming war, Australia can be base- a basic training venue for people for the ethical treatment of people army. Mm. I, oh, there it is. I Sounds think good. that's a great idea. I like that. Great idea. My question is, can you please organize an off-site show? Example, Republican debate pregame uh, where Smug... <laughs> 
has to attend with you, but instead of organizing fights with a reputable airline, you book Southwest with <laughs> no option for Smug to change to be able to get to the show, and you have an Irish-Italian mafia video, Smug on the flight, yeah, with an introduction as you get on board by Smash and his best fight announcer voice. Ladies and gentlemen and fight fans around the world, let's get ready to rumble. I, mean, I thought that was just like what normally happens. Isn't there like an announcement like that? To board the flight, like everyone, that's bring your brass knuckles. Well, no, and I, I think it's like you throw the line of pellets, and that's how you get them all herded on. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> makes sense. Doing it on a holiday when families are traveling is when I think the best results will be had. Mm-hmm. Imagining Spug's response, I think you'll need to have a warning label on the footage and counseling for Smug post flight, though. The old man might be able to create a subdomain mm. and merch of various sayings that Smug drops en route regards rj and kj so so the basic gist of this is that we come up with a program that exclusively features smug boarding a southwest flight yeah and riding with full irish and italian entertainment throughout yeah i mean i really can't think of anything worse and like (laughs) if you go back when ashbrook was reading he was like uh organizing a fight on southwest not a flight but he's actually more accurate because it's basically that i mean pretty much every video that goes out there of like there was a fight. People start punching each other, whether it's in the terminal or on the flight. It's Southwest, like without exception. I don't know what it is. You know there. what I'm. You know what I'm picturing um, <laughs> is the scene in Titanic when Kate Winslet goes down to steerage class. Uh-huh. Wait, wait. You know? which, which scene are you talking about? Oh, well, we're going to get good smug ones. laying on the Barca nope. lounger. No, no, no. I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking about when she goes down to steerage class, and there's a lot of the Irish immigrants and yeah. stuff, and they're. Yeah playing their Irish tunes and they're dancing and maybe that's what Southwest would be like for you. We'll get so. some Irish and some Italians there with you. There's a part of that movie that gets brought up, uh, I think it's McDaniel Hose, he says, I remind him of the dude who's like, will we evacuate by class? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be my question. A tuxedo with tails. Yeah, be like, I, I gotta right. go, folks. I'm, I'm number one and out of here. <laughs> He'd be wrapped up like a Taliban woman, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just <laughs> fully I, I mean, I think it's protected. This, I, I think at this point everyone knows Southwest is pretty much the worst airline, right? <laughs> and the thing is that they don't have to do anything about it. That's 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 the airline industry, folks. You can I, be terrible and get away with look, it. Look, I, I do want to spend some money to have a crew with you on a Southwest flight. <laughs> but I think we, you know, I appreciate this RJ and KJ, but I want to save that coin uh, for when Smug has to travel with his uh, baby. I, I'm just hoping and praying that we get to that point. We're all going to travel. We're yeah. all going to travel. And what's going to happen is we're going to book first class. Yeah. And we're going to have a crew with him and coach. And we're going to capture all that footage. I think it, that's it, terrific. Not, never going to happen. We're I mean, gonna s- we'll send a drink back to you. Don't worry, pal. <laughs> They don't have first class on Southwest, right? They don't believe in anything. It's, oh, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's air steerage, dude. It's like uh, it's like you know when you're moving, transporting animals <laughs> in the cargo container. They go. <laughs> Made it very clear. All right, so skipping ahead to question two, Duncan. This one's yours. Oh, okay. Uh, this is from Mackenzie. Hello. Would love to hear the fellas' perspectives on how voters can best educate themselves for local elections. I live in Houston and vote in every single election. I often find it overwhelming to research the candidates for city council, judges, etc., I usually default to looking at who has endorsed them. Appreciate any advice, Mackenzie. You know, it's a great question. And honestly, what we've seen over the last 20 years is this huge degrading of local publications and local 
sort of county information that you get. And the stuff that you do get is basically left wing yep. gibberish where, you know, they'll talk to a school board official about anything other than what you want to know yeah. in terms of their positions and how they would run a school. And so let, let me just say to Mackenzie what I do. And now uh, you can take it for, for what it's worth. I go to my polling place and it's foolproof. I go to my polling place on the day of the election and I find the Democratic Party activist. And they typically provide a sample ballot for me with all of the choices yeah. that they would like to be filled in. And then I take it in with me. Mm-hmm. And for anything that I'm not already educated on, some of these local things, or whatever they have, I do the opposite. Yeah. That's a, and so job. far, it's worked out great for me. Right. And then you have to remember, you just got to vote against the bond every single time yep. on everything. And if there isn't a candidate that you can support, then you write in Ron Paul. That's what I do. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that really? You still do that? I still do that. Really? Yeah. It's, is that just like a, is yes. it like a funny joke you play with yourself? No, it's my protest against the government I don't approve of. <laughs> So uh, you know, I agree 100% on all that stuff. I mean, sometimes you can find, um, you know, uh, if you if you look for your local Republican Party in the county. Um, but it depends know, on where you live. That's the thing is, like, it used to be, that used to be reliable. But, but now there's, a, I mean, in, the vast majority of in Houston, local parties are doing great. But, like, there are situations yeah. across this country where local parties aren't what they used to be. Uh, yeah, yes. Like mine, I mean. In, in in Houston, I imagine that they are a good resource. I would think. And there's a lot of places where they aren't. Yeah. Um, but you, I mean, you got to do your own research, too. I mean, you got to go to all these people's websites, and you got to read their stances on the issues. That's yeah. the best way to educate yourselves and what the candidates say themselves, and not I'll, what somebody else says about them. Also, conversely to what Holmes mentioned, in the, in the rare event, if you live in a mostly blue state, you see that one, like, battle-hardened, thousand yard stare dude asking people if they're republican want a sample ballot grab one of those and thank that dude because he's probably been like spit on and threatened yeah for the past four hours <laughs> it's very true that yeah. guy's advice well, it, is well worth and it. then and then like one other thing is like uh you know depending on what community you live in there's usually like one hot button issue every election election cycle yeah they'll have to answer on that issue if they don't answer on that thing that is important to you as like a single issue voter on something like city council yeah, where like that's a telltale yeah. right you can't vote for that person yeah, at that right. point you find the person or you write in rumple right and last <laughs> thing, this is more in the weeds last thing i want to say is um sometimes in a lot of counties i've experienced this where especially for judges it becomes like this horse trading game of the local parties where they're like oh for this slot of judge we won't you know as the republican party we won't contest it and let the democrat have it as long as for this slot the democrats don't contest it and we'll let Repub- like i find out about that because that bothers me and i will never vote for mm-hmm. them if i know that there's been horse trading going on and that the the person in the republican slot is actually a registered democrat and that this was a trade-off not happening but like Judges are incredibly important to vote for, so I think that is worth researching. Yeah, no, it is. Smash any tips? Um, I think that I think that uh, local elections should give you the opportunity to actually talk to the person who's running. Good and point. if the person who's running will not carry on a conversation with you, and I'm not saying you ask them their views on the war in Ukraine. I'm saying you ask them their views on development or funding police or local schools. If they will not acknowledge you, if they won't carry on a conversation with you as if, you know, you're somebody who's important, 
you know they're not worth voting for. Perfect. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And, 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 and I think that local elections give you the ability to, to figure that out. Oh, that's smart. That's smart. So there's your advice. Uh, heading forward here to question three. I believe this one is Smugs. Excellent. So this is from Adam. The question is, fellas, when is the program going to compile all of Smugs' parenting advice <laughs> and publish the work for the benefit of American parents? I, I Here's the thing. I think we should release a book called What to Expect When Smug's Expecting. <laughs> because when Smug actually becomes a father, it's going to be the greatest moment in the history of the program. I, I, I can't wait for the first time he sincerely asks me for advice. I can't wait. I'm going to videotape it. So it, it continues. It says the iPad, iPhone parents are out of control. Totally agree. As a father of four kids, 16 and younger, God bless you, and seeing the impacts of poor parenting in the other kids that my children are forced to interact with, I can tell you that Smug's parenting advice is deeply needed in our country and indeed maybe the only path to save America. This guy is right on. At the very least, there should be a monthly segment on the show where Smug can share his parenting wisdom with the fellas and the minions regards monthly. Adam. I, I feel like it's bi weekly. I mean, I think he makes a lot of strong points. <laughs> And a couple of things, actually, to answer this. So I don't know if, if folks follow David Seawright on Twitter. He's mm -hmm. a very good friend of mine, friend of Ashbrook's. You go to the same church. Uh, terrific family guy, also good at smoking meat, barbecuing. And he genuinely has really terrific parenting advice. I've talked to him about all these things in the past. He offers tremendously good advice. And, and also, as an aside, there's been interest in a book deal. I'm weighing that over the holidays, and this might be part of it. No. I think the American people deserve to know how to parent children in a good way, and I, I can offer them that. Insight. Everyone looks to someone who's never had kids yeah. for parenting <laughs> advice. I mean, it's I can't imagine what. Could I mean, go just wrong. having kids doesn't make you a good parent. Discipline does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of people who talk about politics who've never worked in it. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yep. know? No, parenting, sports, and politics. Those are the three things that you can have strong opinions about despite no experience at all. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, good. I look forward to the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next question goes to me. Uh, this is from J.H., Question. Hi, fellas. I, like many of you, found you through Megyn Kelly. I've never looked back since then. You pr provide a much-needed comic relief we face in these troubling times. I'm also drawn in by your political insight for us outsiders. For instance, I was previously unaware of the difference between in TV spending between Super PAC versus a candidate's own campaign. My question is to you guys is what are the top three or four important insider things that us outsiders should know mm. regarding anything in regards to politics? It can be anything from campaign finance to how a bill makes it through Congress. I know that there are a lot of hidden bits of information that do not reach the masses. Please help us educate this outsider from Texas on the unknown truths of the inner workings of the political workings of our government. FYI, I may just have to vote for smug in this next election good idea <laughs> these elections are starting to come together i would love to hear smug's platform promises to america and maybe that's the book yeah promises, promises to, to america, america. That, I mean, that's a great title. yeah seriously i enjoy the show and look forward to future episodes please keep up the good work and hold the line respectfully jh all right so fellas what just on the top of your heads uh, is something that you think people ought to know that don't know? Smash, do you have something you're thinking of? Um, you know, it's it's a very very good question, and I think that if I'm going to weigh in on this, it's going to be on the press side. And 
you know, we talk a lot about how um, news organizations are full of Democrat-leaning culture. They're full of libs. They're run by libs. The decisions are made by libs, and there are generally libs who are attracted to the field of journalism. However, there are also people who are writing stories about campaigns and politics who are more interested in facts than their bosses are. And so I think that you can find stories that are worth reading by reporter name and know that that person is doing everything they can to deliver the information to you rather than the spin their editor wants you to shove down your throat. Mm -hmm. So I think that one of the, that, that, that is something that most people don't realize about uh, politics today, that there are actually some reporters who, who do a good job. Um, it's very difficult to figure out who they are because it's not necessarily, I mean, there, there are reporters at conservative outlets who are lazy and not doing a good job. There are reporters at lib outlets who want to ruin your life and hate your guts. So it's really hard to figure that out. The only way that you can do it is by reading and reading and reading and reading and following things like the Variety Program, following people on Twitter, like uh, like like all of us, and comfortably smug and, and the minions, and then you get to know the truth. And I know that smug often retweets reporters who are telling the truth. I mean, off the top of my head, like Gabe Kaminsky has been doing an insane amount of good journalism. He, he's at a conservative outlet, but at the same time. All of his articles are basically he goes through filings and paperwork and does all the boring stuff no one wants to do and then finds these dynamite pieces of information like a left-wing dark money group that's getting money from China, you know, or all this overseas money from like Hans-Jörg Wiss that's flooding in this country. So I, he's one of my top followers. Who are some journals that you recommend? Uh, there are a bunch, and I'm not going to list them here. Wow. I'm not, oh. I'm, I'm, Excellent I'm, advice. Uh, Thanks I, for that insight. I am not going to. There's some great guy. insider info. Just incredible. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going li to list them here, but I'm also interested in what Michael Duncan thinks. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. What an awful. Uh, um, welcome to the Briar Patch, <laughs> Michael. Yeah. What, what can you serve us up? Um, the thing that really bothers me a lot is, you know, you're going to hear a lot of politicians, especially Republican politicians, talk about runaway government spending and our national debt. And um, if they don't have a serious plan to fix the crisis that our country is going to face over the next 10 to 20 years in Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare, then they aren't a serious person. And... Um, we have a lot of people who go on television every night and talk about some government waste and some cherry-picking something that is irresponsible, and I'm sure it is. But you aren't a serious person if you aren't talking about Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. You just aren't. Yeah. You just aren't. Not if you're going to sit there on the House floor and give a stem winder for five minutes about the next generation and our debt crisis. You just aren't. You know, um, <clears throat> I don't care what your opinion is on funding Ukraine, but, you know, we've spent we spend more in this country in 18 days on Social Security than we've spent in three years funding the fight in Ukraine. Yeah. In 18, and 18, nobody, 19 and days. Nobody nope. knows that. Yeah, and, nobody and, talks and, about and that doesn't count the service on our debt, you know, which is going to be like a larger share of anything in the next what decade or whatever. Um, and you're going to hear a lot of. Uh, you know, politicians talk about spending and all of this waste and the Biden stuff. But like at the end of the day, 
we're, we're talking about discretionary spending in our budget, which is 30% of the overall budget. It's We're not even having a serious discussion about any of this in this town. And it makes me furious because we're supposed to be the party that cares about these things. And we just frankly don't, don't really care. So, I mean, I know that's a long buildup, but like my one thing as a quote unquote insider in politics is I wish more voters on the outside demand that of people like politicians respond to incentives especially if you're under the age of 65 in this country please wake up and demand it of your politicians you know like they respond to those incentives and if we we don't mention it to them they're not going to give a shit yeah and if you are a zoomer or a young millennial listening to this and you're looking at your paycheck going to social security and medicare every single month like you should care Yep. You should care a hell of a lot more than what our politicians are currently providing. And that is my number one recommendation. I love that. I love that. That's rock solid. So uh, I think mine's sort of a derivation of that in that um, I think it is the case that the n- n- highest number of Senate seats that the Republican Party has ever had is 55. And it requires 60 to get anything done. I mean, I'm talking about the history of the Republic yeah. stuff here. I'm not talking about in the last five years. So, um, one of the things that bothers me the most is that we have valued from an outsider perspective the loudest voices in the room and the ones who are the most captivating to a very small sliver of the electorate overall. Now, the truth is we live in a pretty divided country. I mean, it's maybe not 50-50, but it's pretty damn close. And the likelihood of us ever having conservative codlock on American government where you have a Republican president, 60 plus seats in the in the Senate and huge 30, 40 plus uh, number of seats in the House. It's pretty remote or probably would have happened already. Yeah. You know, because we're dealing with, again, a pretty divided, diverse country politically. So what I would say is you, you have to look beyond the loudest voice in the room to figure out who is the most persuasive and what I found is the people who are most effective in Washington, D.C. are people who have no less conservative viewpoints than the loudest voice in the room. But their goal is to try to figure out how to persuade the center right, center left to carry their position forward to actually do something about it. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And those are the kinds of things that are the difference between making a point and making a law. And if you're making laws and you're changing things and bringing this country more into a center-right perspective, God knows that as necessary today as you look at all the left-wing maniacal shit that we've been doing here over the last three years. I mean, we've pushed American government beyond center-left, in my view, into sort of a leftist approach. To remedy that, you need people on the conservative side that have the capability of bringing a coalition of people to change it. Mm -hmm. And that that involves... Having people in your coalition that agree with you 85% of the, of the time, not 100% of the time. Yeah, and it's not just about inner like Republican primary stuff. It's about making relationships. Right. And it's about doing tough things and taking some heat from your own side in the goal of trying to get something broader than that done that is on the conservative side of the ledger. So I, I would put greater value in that. And that that's the one thing that I think is often lost on the right that the left really gets like you may ask yourself why it is that somebody like aoc is hanging out with somebody like joe biden yeah well it's because 
think, Joe Biden's yeah. doing AOC stuff now. I think it's a great point. I think that there are a lot of conservatives who have so much to offer and who are doing so much work that fly under the radar and nobody knows about what they're doing to try to change things at the border or change things for everyday people because they're not on primetime Fox or because they don't have a five million Twitter followers or something like that. And I think that's one of my favorite things about this show, actually, is that we give a platform to the people who are actually doing the work, who are like digging and digging and digging every single day and may not get the fanfare, but they're doing what conservatives want them to do. And I I feel like our show gives them the opportunity to, to highlight that. I think that's right. And one other quick thing, just on the pure politics side, one disappointing thing you probably don't know about because it's not self-evident is the amount of consultant driven uh partnerships that are done Mm -hmm. in this town everything from what politicians are working together to what causes they're pushing and there's a through line on an awful lot of this that is very corrosive and disturbing like from my standpoint extremely concerning in that somebody's paying somebody who consults with somebody who also happens to have this candidate and all of a sudden you got a coalition and that's the reality of it it sucks and you want but you watch it happen right now and you can see if there are a couple of people teaming up you don't feel like have the same set of ideology go ahead have a look at that fec report yeah have a look and see who it is that their consultants are. Or if you get like a random endorsement in there, then you're like, wow, that's funny. This person is endorsing a interesting slate of candidates that only all happen to work for the same consultant. That kind of thing is a corrosive. And w- when people talk about what is wrong with Washington, they're missing the forest through the trees if you're not doing that basic homework. Because that basic homework, I think, goes an awful long way. And it's amazing to me how little attention it often gets. Mm-hmm. That's solid insight. That's really good. What would you say, Smug? Well, I think you guys did a great job of the insidery information. I want to answer this great question, the second part where they said I may have to vote for Smug and what would <laughs> Smug's platform be? <laughs> and I've given this a lot of thought. One of the things is, you know, I, I think about, uh, for example, the border crisis, right? Like, this is essentially the only country in the world where if you ran through a border crossing guards aren't shooting Mm. that's just so weird to me that like any other country if you charge through their border there's gunshots fired because Mm. you're illegally it's like a a, a military action you're invading a a foreign sovereign nation like Mm -hmm. nothing gives you that right if you want to try and you know apply for asylum you apply for asylum before you decide to break the law it seems Mm -hmm. to me breaking the law invading a country is a bad idea so i call that part of my platform mortars to the border right <laughs> send the mortars and you make an exclusion zone where, where you know, the there's shells border. that are falling it doesn't seem like a good place for coyotes to hang out if there's shells so i think that's the start <laughs> of it is i think there's no consequences left in society which is a, a lack of consequences is where the democrat party thrives so essentially i think my ideology and my platform is based on consequences if there's an action that's not helping this country, there's going to be hell to pay. Like, mm-hmm. uh, for example, if you're like uh, BFing a dude in a committee hearing room, that yeah. that, that, that would get some kind of a smug consequence. Yeah, I mean, again, like that gets under my so much of like, <laughs> we've been told this is a sacred temple of democracy. And it's yeah. like, oh, well, it seems like only one side's pushing I, that idea, and they're can, the ones that are following it. Can I add one thing to your platform I think you would agree with? Sure. 
uh, bring back uh, stocks. Uh, people get tomatoes thrown on their faces. I like that a lot. Oh, public humiliation. Yeah. Shame. Yes. Just, shame. Just shame. Shame in general. Great Reintroducing point. shame. To our culture. That would be a good one. Dude, yeah. excellent, excellent. I excellent. love that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next question. Question five. This is, again, for Smash. This one comes from Jake, and Jake's question for the fellas. My young son ate a delicious pasta and meatball dinner the other night. Shortly thereafter, we watched a recent episode of the Ruthless Variety Program that contained use of the soundboard playing a classic Italian song. Mamma Mia. (laughs) At what age would you say it's appropriate to educate my son on the risks of joining certain ethnic organizations? Hmm. Yours truly, Jake. It's smug. What's your? uh, How do we? So is this uh, ethnic organizations and like? You know, the Knights of Columbus, which is basically just, like, <laughs> Italians legally beating people up or something. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Is the that Knights of Columbus? <laughs> it's like I a Catholic civic it's like, like Catholic organization. I, I heard in Boston, like, the Knights of Columbus is, like, you don't cross the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> Come on. Like, the Irish know you don't mess with the Knights of Columbus. The Knights of Columbus are helping raise money for my, my kid's school. They're right not now. riding horses with well, swords. The, the source of this is Jack Nicholson's <laughs> character. It's all gangs like, of New York. They're, like, real Knights. Jack Nicholson's They're character. They're not at the five-point. In The Departed said, they're, they're the Knights up. of Columbus crack skulls. And I trust Jack Nicholson's character in The Departed. <laughs> they're, they're, they're sitting at a folding table drinking Coors Light and ripping off bingo tabs. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, guess, I, I guess that's what they do during you know office hours. But afterwards, according to Jack Nicholson's character in The Departed, they're cracking skulls in Boston. <laughs> the Knights of Columbus. Any, any of you guys want to feel this one? Um, okay. <laughs> I can do that. Oh, I can really? definitely do that. Okay. Okay. So, uh, first we're going to, um, we're going to give him one of these pasta and meatball, uh, lunches, not dinner. And then you're going to take your young son out to the backyard and you're going to have him do burpees and up downs <laughs> until he throws up. <laughs> Incredible. And then he's gonna no longer enjoy that food. <laughs> you just what driving now? hatred for Italian cuisine <laughs> in your child through burpees. It's like uh, it's like I didn't you, think it could get worse it's than like, the Knights of Columbus, it's but like, you made it worse. It's 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 like if you catch your kid smoking, you make him smoke the whole pack. <laughs> It's the same sort of thing. That's how you make them love. See, that's the thing. Is I spaghetti's always... a pretty tra- like who doesn't have spaghetti one night a week? I, all I am all I am doing is I am answering the question that was provided to me. If you would like your child to know that that meal is a little too heavy. <laughs> When you've got stuff to do. I don't think it's the meal that he's worried about. I think he's worried that his son is going to hang out eating, uh, you know, pasta for Jules. And the next thing you know, he's shaking down the local corner store. Yeah, right. Okay. How, well, then, how do you know? How do you know, by the way, it's too heavy to do something important? What do you think Christopher Columbus ate before he <laughs> sailed the ocean blue, for crying out loud? Okay. You think he just came over here on an empty stomach? Well, then then you have to... What do you think Joe DiMaggio did before he had a 54-game hitting streak? Excellent point. Probably Marilyn Monroe, right? You got it. <laughs> I think that's the answer to that one. I got a great story on that, by the way. I got a great story on that. I mean, look, I, I think you can solve this pretty easily then with a supercut of highlights of your fr- your favorite mafia movies. Yeah. The baseball bat in the cornfield scene from Casino. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the bar fight scene from 
Goodfellas. Sure. The toll booth scene uh, from The Godfather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can you, you do that sort of supercut video and you say this is what your future is if you continue down this path. <laughs> That's a good point. And if you're worried about the cuisine, you just make them eat the Irish stuff. Have them serve them <laughs> potatoes like 10 days. That's not, if you really want to make a That'll bad. send them right back to the <laughs> Italian. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I love Italian food. I do too. I, yeah, who doesn't? Some of my favorite. Who doesn't? Yeah. Some of my favorite. All right. Uh, question number six. This is for Duncan. Okay. This is from Andrew. Fellows of the Variety Program, first, thank you all for a political podcast that isn't just about raging at issues, but giving cogent political analysis regarding the issues facing our country. This includes Ashbrook sounding the alarm about the imminent threat animals pose to humanity, a la the novel and short series Zoo by John Patterson. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) My question for each of you is something uh, that you ask every guest. Are you mm. a thrill of victory or agony of defeat person? And if you can elaborate, what is the greatest victory you've been part of? And or what was the great what was the defeat that agonize, agonizes you that motivates you? Thanks, fellas. Wow. P.S. Come to Jacksonville, Florida sometime. I know Duncan. Oh, come on. I know that Duncan <laughs> might have a problem coming uh, because his Colts can't seem to win a game here. Duvall, Andrew. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. All I right. love that Duncan read that one too. No, I, yeah, I was set perfect. up. You I were was set, set up. up. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, well, look, I think the reason for the question itself is because I'm very much an agony of defeat person, but I know that not everybody is, and it, it, again, it doesn't mean that that's all I think about. I just know that what drives me to succeed is the very thought that someone else is out to try to defeat me doing it it's not like you know hey what can i do to accomplish this it's like somebody else is going to try to make sure i can't do this that's why i'm doing it um and in terms of like the greatest victory i mean look professionally my greatest victory i think smash you probably i'm not going to speak for you but this probably goes for you too but the 2014 takeover of the republican senate the the sweep that we had on Democrats when everybody thought that was impossible to do and we had primaries and we had general elections and it was just a totally hard-fought thing that every step along literally every single day you were attacked on both sides and told you couldn't do it that was that was the sweetest victory like uh, historically that's like the murderer's row at the NRSC like every single person was part of that crew has gone on tremendous success afterwards but it was like the craziest team there and the results were just i mean it was a bloodbath for democrats it was destroyed in 2014 it was a very very good team and uh and we had a blast doing it in terms of defeats like look i don't even rank them because every one of them it doesn't matter how small or how big i take them all the same and that's why i'm an agony of defeat person i mean there has never been a defeat so large that i shouldn't be able to get over but i wake up every morning thinking about it nevertheless (laughs) right yeah so i don't know i guess that's just the definition of who i am on that deal smug what are you agony thrill yeah i mean i would say agony of defeat like if i try to think about the most thrilling victories i think that's a lot more difficult to think of than like i know like four or five times where i've taken an l and like that informs my decision making every day Mm -hmm. and it's i mean i'm not I don't sleep well because I am always worried because I always know what it's like for things to go wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And so pretty much all my days are spent trying to prevent the bad thing from happening, focusing on what things I can control. I think the 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 thing from having defeats is the lessons you learn. That's, you know, that's priceless. I think that's one thing, I, especially like in tech, they, they say, you know, bring us uh, a founder who has had tremendous amount of failure because then they know and have learned from these experiences. Like he's, all the great founders, like Steve Jobs, all of these, you know, titans of industry and stuff have just a record of tremendous losses, the number of times that they were rejected. And that informs your character. And so I think, you know, for me, that's also been uh, formative in terms of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give a little bit of like a light-hearted answer for a tremendous defeat that had an impact on me is this was in 2008. I was in a fantasy football league with really great friends of mine. And my <laughs> approach to fantasy football is trades. I do as many trades as possible. I create absolute liquidity in the market. Everyone says, oh, my league doesn't trade. Bullshit. Every league I've joined, I've gotten everyone to start trading. You have to do it. Um, and so in short order in this league, and this, this is with friends I've been playing with since like high school. Um, I eventually built this like, tr- it was it was like the N- NFL All Star Game, like a my, super team. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just r- ridiculous. I had the top two players at every position blocked down <laughs> through trades because if you do enough trades and you get enough advantage, I mean, that's what happens. And so they voted to undo my trades <laughs> as a league, which I think oh they vetoed. Th- no, they because all of the trades were done completely legally and clear. It's just that in a matter of seventy two hours of this. Everyone wakes up and they're like, this guy's got the squad. And so they vote. They're, they're like, hold a vote. Should we unwind his team? And it's like, of course they're going to vote too because they know I'm going to beat them. And so, like, number one, that's when I knew democracy doesn't work. Right? <laughs> and I left that league and haven't talked to those people ever since. You <laughs> <laughs> should never forgive people. <laughs> so what do you got, Duncan? Hope it's not fantasy football. Uh, okay. Well, I could do politics. No, I'm gonna do. Um, I'll do wrestling. Oh, that's mm. good. You in a singlet? Do I'll we do, have I'll any do, visuals? I'll do all wrestling. So I don't want to take all the political answers. Okay. <clears throat> Greatest uh, thrill of victory moment. Uh, probably beating David Cathcart in the sectional championship. <laughs> He's. I've never heard of him. You've never heard. You've of him. absolutely won. <laughs> well, I. You got to understand the like, which like motivates all of us is people telling you like this is something you're gonna be able to do yeah sort of thing and he he's a re- actually really nice kid but he went to like the powerhouse um uh catholic school in the city that like won everything you know yeah like, they, they'd win like 80 percent of the weight classes at sectionals every single year and i went to a small private school that barely had a wrestling team <laughs> right you know and yeah. like we always lost always <laughs> lost and we, you know, went to the um, sectional at like their gym, and it's like eighty percent guys is from Cathedral. Cathedral High School was the his high school, and small contingent from our you know small private school, and uh, and I beat him under the lights, you know, <laughs> dark room under the light, pinned him. What was the move? Um, I snapped him down and did like a gator roll to his back pinned him and then you put your balls on his face didn't have to do that <laughs> <laughs> the tea bag is optional but it's, 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 it's sort of get him like that and you sort of get him going one way and then 
roll them back that way. There you, you know? go. So, there you go. That's a good so, victory. It was a great victory, you know? Uh, <laughs> biggest agony defeat in wrestling. Um, again, this is like 20 years ago, and it's still like it was fucking yesterday. <laughs> you know? I never forget a single thing. You um, lost to a girl, didn't you? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, greatest agony of defeat is against Nick Hartman in um, in county in the like quarterfinals of county. He was the number one wrestler in the state. And I had no business wrestling against him. And he went on to win the state championship. This uh-huh. guy was a fucking freak. I think he went on to wrestle at IU. Got it. Um, and he also like cut like 35 pounds to get into my weight class. Damn. And um, so he's like incredibly physical guy. And like nobody had like scored a point on him. Like he was undefeated on the season. I think he only lost one match the entire year. He's like 42 and one. And I come up to him in, in, in county and I'm a freshman and I'm wrestling like um, 103 or 112 and I'm like barely that soaking wet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. this, the guy, guy's like cutting weight down from like 145. Number one wrestler in this state. And uh, match starts and I immediately take him down. And the guy had like never been taken down and was like f- fucking shocked by that fact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a, I, again, I'm a freshman in high school. He's a senior and the number one wrestler in the state. Took him down, totally was unprepared. Right. I was unprepared for victory. Yeah. And I learned, I have learned in the rest of my life so much from that one moment. Wow. Because he dominated me the rest of the match. And I lost on points. Like I wasn't, I didn't just like roll over on the guy, but like it unleashed a monster in him. Yeah. You yeah. know, like yeah. he was like headbutting me, is extremely physical. He used to do this thing where he'd like come in to you like this. Like he's pretty much like hitting you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I wasn't prepared for what victory would be. Yeah. And that's why I ultimately lost. He was a better wrestler than me. But in like I had surprised him and I wasn't prepared to to win the match. That's a and really I, good answer. And I'll and I'll never forget that feeling, like coming away from that and being like, I could have actually stolen that. I could have I I, I could have beaten that guy. Oh, but man, I wasn't prepared. And I've let that inform like me and the rest of like my life, my professional career, of like you have to think like that not only that things are achievable, but like how you're going to achieve it. Yeah. And like having a plan is important. Is there is there a way that you can like kind of cheat and not get disqualified but like lose a point or something like could you gouge his eye <laughs> no no you cannot <laughs> you gouge his eye no no balls to the face is the only real i mean like because if you gouge his eye or like you know handicap the dude seems like that's the way yeah but apparently it doesn't work not balls not not gouging eyes <laughs> <laughs> that's all i know yeah smash well i don't have any um specific memories that are as uh, lucid as as duncan's on this subject i am as pure an agony defeat person as ever walked the face of this planet uh because little things on a weekly basis i i I just i don't forget they drive me forward i can think of them back to junior high and elementary school Um, I can think of some victories, some great baseball games I played. I can think of a pick six I had in, uh, in JV football that you know that I that makes me smile every now and then. But like I am fundamentally an agony of defeat person, and at any one moment a synapse will fire, and I think of some guy who made fun of my friends and family when I was in you know a kid, and I just it just like fires me up to fight against whoever it is that's in front of me that day. 
and so like I don't have specifics for you, but I will tell you that that's is, like the Michael Jordan method. There is yeah. n- there is no more of an agony defeat person. Uh, it's very true. Yeah. A very true answer. No uh, question about I it. I think we're all sort of agony defeat. We yeah. are, but I you know I've come to appreciate because of the program the thrill of victory people because like I said it's roughly a fifty fifty split of successful people. Mm-hmm. You know, unsuccessful people are like, ah, well, you know, I don't know. I like to win, and you know, I, I obviously don't like to lose. So, and then they answer something else, and it's like, no, no, no. You really know. You know one way, or you're afraid to say it. Mm-hmm. I know. And and if you're afraid to say it, you're probably afraid to succeed you, at anything. But you know what? I I agree with you on the thrill of victory. That I've I've gained more appreciation for it. Yeah, because it's like. Me being scared shitless made me shoot for a takedown first yeah. against that guy. But then I didn't have a plan to win. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. You know what I mean? And, and the thrill of victory person may have thought all along, well, yeah, I can I'm, make this Of guy. course I can win. Yeah. You know? I know it. I know it. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. All right. So uh, the next question, I believe this one goes to Duncan. Uh, no, I oh, just smug. read the last smug. This is this smug. Is smug. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. So this one comes from Chris. The question is, hey, fellas, my brother and I have been longtime listeners of the program. Opportunities to candidly ask very serious questions about the world we want to have for our kids and grandkids don't come along often. But thanks to the program and this episode, we have that chance. We live in an uncertain world full of threats to our nation, but worse, humanity as a whole. The animal uprising is in its earliest of stages, and so many people are unprepared. My question is this. Are you prepared to do your part? What is the largest animal you can take down in fair combat? Note, rhinos are not a valid response. Smugs so Rubios and Romneys are out, man. <laughs> Stolen. Uh, as a serious side note, thanks for creating a podcast and platform that families like ours can listen, laugh, and also be more informed. My brother Justin had the chance to meet you guys at the IO event. Awesome. Uh, a while back, and I'm the brother who couldn't make it due to unforeseen circumstances with my work. I remember this. Yeah, oh, yeah. Moment. I remember. Yeah. Um. You made his entire month when he had the chance to speak to you guys. My brother had brought fly fishing yes. for Ashbrook. And I plan to bring a bottle of whiskey from Woodhat Spirits for Holmes next time. I Man, love that. What a great guy. Excellent. And there's the graph. Yes. Terrific. Look, they got Jefferson's Lagavulin. Mm. Oh, oh yes. that's so awesome. Great stuff. What a stud, Chris. And, and, and a great man. question. You, you know, why don't we go to, I, you know, I would argue, the expert on this first, Ashbrook. Yeah, you got to go to Ashbrook. He's the animal guy. Okay, this is the biggest animal that you could take down mano a mano. Yeah. I, I, liter- I think I could take down an elephant. <laughs> I, I fully believe that I could do it. I fully believe that I could do it. I think you take, you take it from its most vulnerable point. It starts with its eyes. And then you take the trunk and you shove it down its throat. They can't breathe. You take, you just take the trunk. <laughs> yeah, you take it. You take the it's trunk. It's not going to fight you. <laughs> it won't because it can't see you. Because you've couched its mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. So it's eyes and then trunk shove. Then it tips over and you take hoof one, hoof two, hoof three, <laughs> hoof four, and you send one to each of your friends as a table for their living room. An elephant. <laughs> okay. All right, Duncan, how do you going to follow that? Um, okay, well, there's some wiggle room here in, in our question that I've realized over time. Um, you know, the largest animal. It doesn't mean the most dangerous animal. No. You, you know? And I learned from my friend John Ashbrook in our dis- many discussions of the I was whales. I about to use this. I was about to use um, this. 
that you just got to plug the blowhole. Yep. So what I do is I find the largest animal on planet Earth, the blue whale, and I plug the blowhole. What do you use to plug the blowhole, Michael? A giant cork. <laughs> mm-hmm. I go with no foreign objects. Well, I'm bare hands is the is the question. So I steal oh. the answer. I put my arm in the blowhole. Yeah, I, yeah. Put just put. I'll put my entire body in the blowhole. Duncan's you, copying. You ride it down to the bottom of the ocean. You put yourself in the blowhole? Well, well, no. I mean, I I think that the blue whale instinctually would actually try to rise to the surface in order to get air uh, because they can't breathe underwater. I don't know if you don't know that, John. (laughs) So I don't think instinctually he would dive deeper if he couldn't breathe. He would try to crest outside Mm -hmm. of the water. Try to jump around. But But the problem is I'm in the blowhole. (laughs) I mean, I think that's the way. 100%. And I mean, here's the thing: is so. Like, let me just get this straight. You've inserted yourself into the blowhole. Yeah, and that's that's the plan. I'm just like, <laughs> that's the plan. I'm just gonna shimmy do- down into the blowhole uh, and wait and wait, <laughs> which yeah. could take hours. Could be uncomfortable. <laughs> could be uncomfortable. Okay. But I mean, the thing is, is that I mean, I, that that was my thinking okay. straight up as soon as the question was read. And imagine the sense of like accomplishment after that just like standing atop this dead whale that you've killed so what, what are they like 100 tons 200 tons like mm-hmm. monsters biggest animal on, ever on the planet think and about the ambergris think about the ambergris you could sell yeah <laughs> I no, mean, think, and, you, and they're you, a you renewable light, resource you'd you light your fuel, house for the rest a, of your life a nation I mean yes, how, I, I, bet, I bet that those things are worth a ton of cash too you know yeah. in terms of like the oil that you can mine from this damn thing. So mm-hmm. you'd put yourself in the blowhole as well? Yeah. And then and then I'm going straight to calling, you know, my commodities guy, JP Morgan, and like, can I speak to the energy desk? Yeah. <laughs> the energy <laughs> desk. The energy desk. I have. I've got a deal. A whale for you. You got to take physical delivery. <laughs> you got to take. <laughs> I'm in the North Atlantic. I, I, I am currently stuck in a blowhole. Yeah. Uh, this, I think I, <laughs> on my iPhone. I don't think. Have you ever? Have you ever told the story about your buddy who was uh, trading options? No. I mean, this I, is a good. This is a good. Look, this is the, we air. This is the air. Air it all out episode. I think, considering he brought up a commodities market, we should tell this story. Yeah. Well, so that this is a, a friend who was a fashioned himself as a trader since had become a pretty successful trader. But he was doing this at a very young age. Came from a finance background in his family or whatnot, and so he was basically day trading futures and commodities. And uh, he bought a just a ton of of wheat if memory serves and it was a very impressive return that he was sitting upon but it got better and better and better and so <clears throat> but he was a college kid and he'd forgotten about the delivery <laughs> wait he 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 set to physical delivery of the futures well he did not float him so so like he bought these commodities he gets a call and, and he like, gets a call and they're like where would you like like 800 tons of wheat delivered <laughs> <laughs> and he li- lives in a dorm room <laughs> on a college campus <laughs> long and short of it he got it figured out but it, it was a real eye opener yeah I mean that's that's always the best is like when people forget the physical delivery at expiration yeah right it's like well I got like 10,000 barrels of oil I gotta find storage for it. <laughs> figure this out <laughs> incredible yeah so anyway that's what happened who, uh, you, who are you taking Holmes so not a lot of you guys know this, but giraffes, very large animal. Yeah. 
and you see them kind of prance around or whatever, but they can be ferocious. But the way that they fight is they whip their huge neck, right? And and so like if something attacks them, they come at them and then whip their massive neck at them, yeah, and like smack them with their necks, and that they they like they can take pretty large stuff down. So my thought is how to take this thing out is that you know you gotta you gotta provoke it a little bit you get it coming at you and you gotta dance around it because you know i mean they have like horse-like tendencies they're not slow animals so you've got to you got but you have to get yourself up to some sort of a hard surface i'm thinking where you'd find them most likely some kind of a tree mm-hmm. and uh, and then you kind of slap the fate or the neck of this thing and have it wind up and have it hammer the side of the tree. Bingo. Yeah. Mm. I'll, 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 very, very. Because if you, if you fight with your head, you're vulnerable to that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, that's a quick knockout. So quick knockout, it's down, and then I'm, you know, and then I can get on the neck and. Yeah. Yeah. Like ring it like a goose. Finish the job. Yeah. That's smart. Pretty good, right? That's, that's Miyagi like. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these are pretty good animal answers. I didn't, didn't, I didn't uh, expect the whale to have. Two entries, yeah. but it is the largest, so I guess I, I get it. I thought about doing the whale, but I sort of assumed everybody was going to do it. I mean... Oh, okay. Oh. Every, everybody's going to attack the old man. Oh, here we go. I guess it's just another program. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Hey, fellas, here's my question. This is from Wallace. Uh, hope you'll consider including in your Q&A episode. Well, here it is, Wallace. In 2016, Rubio, Cruz, and Kasich stayed in long enough for Trump to successfully divide and conquer. What is the latest point in 2024 that all but one of the non-Trump candidates needed to drop out to have any real chance to defeat him in a head-to-head? Seems to me like before Super Tuesday. Follow-up question, do you think there's any real chance that could happen? Kind of hoping Haley and DeSantis cut some kind of deal and run as a team. Thanks, Wallace. Smug ruined it when he discussed my killing of a turkey with a Mercedes-Benz back in 2022. I mean, that's an outstanding thing to do. <laughs> Excellent maneuver. It should be celebrated. It should be celebrated. All right. Uh, so, Duncan, um, this we've talked about this a lot on the show. And we've talked about this consolidation happening a little quicker than it did in 2016. But it's now kind of fish or cut bait time. What's your answer to the, what's the latest time for them to do this? Um, hmm. I think it has to be one it has to be one candidate that's not Donald Trump after South Carolina. Yeah. I think it's as simple as that. You know? Um Look, if 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 the nominee is Donald Trump, it's 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 Donald Trump. But if it's not Donald Trump, then I think um that that candidate needs to beat him in an open contest. Mhm. You know, for, for all of our discussion of um the pending indictments and potential felony convictions of Trump and all of that sort of stuff. Like it I can't think, be like a convention no, or something. I, is that I, look, mean? I think yeah. yeah, I think a scenario like that is just poison for the Republican Party if it's some sort of brokered situation where somebody's you know tries to replace the top vote getter if that's Donald Trump. Like I, I just don't see how a Republican Party unifies and ends up winning in in November if that's the case. I think. I think you have to offer um, the Republican electorate one single alternative and give them the opportunity. And I don't think you can wait around until, you know, 
in 16 he, he didn't clinch it till what may in, in mm-hmm. indiana um yeah i think i think by south carolina it has to be one alternative i think this is a cycle unlike any we've seen before uh we've never had a major party candidate be indicted once much less 90 plus times we've never had a major party candidate be potentially convicted and incarcerated before I think that we are facing dynamics we've never seen, and so we are breaking new ground on a weekly basis in this campaign. And Trump seems really strong right now, and all indications are that he'll remain strong as far as Republican primary voters are concerned. And so I don't think that there's any possible way to put a date on when you have to be out or or when you have to consolidate uh because we just don't know you i mean how how can anybody possibly know what republican primary voter reaction is going to be to a trump conviction i mean mm-hmm. they might they might think hell yeah we're behind him all the way they might not we we don't know mm-hmm. i mean that's just being honest yeah so i don't think I don't think we can look at the 2024 cycle um, through a historical lens because it is something we've never seen before. That's a good answer. Smog, what's your take? Um, yeah, I think they pretty much nailed it. I, I, I agree with Duncan that it is going to come down to after South Carolina, but my thinking is it probably won't happen. I think this cycle, while unprecedented, is also in a lot of ways similar to 2016, and I don't think any candidate is going to drop. I mean, it's a it's a tough thing because these are essentially pretty much every single remaining candidate has one major election for right. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone who has won an election, it's hard to tell them, well, stop running, you know, <laughs> yeah. because everyone thinks every. We know you dedicated two years of your life for this, but it, yeah, and like from city council up, anyone who's won elected office, it crosses their head. Hey, I could be president, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, you can't get people to get that out of their heads. Um, I think another thing to consider is kind of like how Ashbrook said, yes, it's unprecedented in some ways, but there's going to be this bonanza, like there's like every four years of journalists writing stories about like how a contested convention works. Mm -hmm. And they love writing that content because it fills space and, you know, gets them uh, to their quote of how many words they have to write, Mm -hmm. but it's never going to happen. Like there's never going to be a contested convention. Everyone should get that idea out of your head. Like, I remember in 16, there was like, will there be a showdown yeah. at the convention? And, like, all these people are going to be cutting. No, that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Not going to happen. And I think, you know, if you have Super Tuesday with multiple candidates, I think we all know how that's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And the truth is they tried a contested convention. Remember Senator Mike Lee up there mm-hmm. trying to yeah he was the, yeah he was he was like trump. hardened over against president trump and you know not surprisingly his efforts fell they short did, it did not work it did not work i so i, I don't look my answer I, there's one static answer and then one dynamic answer because i think ashbrook was pretty persuasive in saying that the, the elements of the outside in recent years are significant and you just never know what is going to come what is going to happen that could change fundamentally the way that we approach this election because there's been a lot of things that I never could have even imagined happening happen. Um, But in a static environment, given everything we know now, I think New Hampshire. Wow. Mm, I think it's got to happen after Iowa. I really do. 
because there someone needs to put a W on the board. And I find it impossible. Maybe I'm, I don't know, but I find it impossible to believe that if Donald Trump goes into Iowa and wins by 30 and then wins by 15, 20 in New Hampshire, that he's not going to win South Carolina. Boy, and then a, what do you say to the rest of the other candidates? Like, what's your pitch? That you're a mano a mano? And when you've maybe gotten second and third? That's a tough pitch for a continued financing of an election when now you're going nationwide to Super Tuesday. Real okay. tough. So is that is that Ron DeSantis in that scenario? Um, look, I think for all the things that we mm-hmm. talked about with Ron DeSantis, he, he has a constituency that eats deeply into the Trump. Yeah, where there's an awful lot of people in his camp who would otherwise perhaps support Trump, um, which makes that sort of an attractive mano a mano situation. Well, you were you were saying uh, second, third, both Nikki and and DeSantis. I think it applies to both. Oh, of them okay, 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 okay. Sorry, I thought I, I thought when you said second and third because I'd assume Nikki would go three, two. Yeah, so if okay. he goes, you know, got it, got two, it, if he goes two, three, yeah, yeah, and yeah. into South Carolina, or if she goes three, two, into South Carolina, I think it's all the same thing. But if somehow this consolidates after Iowa, and you have got a very different electorate there, and the opportunity to put a win on the board, I mean, we saw this with McCain Bush in two thousand, where McCain was pretty much left for dead, and all of a sudden McCain blows out George right. W. Bush, and it changes the race, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. becomes a real dogfight. Mm-hmm. That is a scenario in a static environment that I think could be real. But, but I it's a, t- it's a tough sell either way. It is. It's a tough sell either way, and, and, and here's why. Because if you're DeSantis, and this is static again, right, of like what we think might happen as of this moment. So if you're DeSantis and you go to three, three, not great, not a lot of momentum. Mm-mm. If you're Nikki and go three, two, two in your home state. That's the problem. Not a lot of That's momentum. That's why I say it's New Hampshire. Right. Because I think you've got to consolidate. Look, if Christy, who we love on this program, if the CBS poll is right and he's running 19 points behind Nikki Haley, but still has 10 points in that electorate, if for some reason he comes to the conclusion that he can't do as well in New Hampshire as he would like to and walks away from it, his voters aren't going to Ron DeSantis. His voters are not going to Donald Trump. If they go to Nikki Haley and all of a sudden it's 44-39, that's a different situation. And then you could see other candidates in the field losing momentum Mm -hmm. to that kind of sea change. And that could be a thing. Yeah, But conversely, you have DeSantis in Iowa, if for some reason all of this outside noise is just noise, if it's actually not affecting what they say is a tremendous ground game there, and he overperforms, and I, if his numbers in Iowa look like Nikki's do in, in New Hampshire, then he's got a huge amount of m- momentum going. Right. Right? And then I think he could make the case to others. Well, especially because, like... In the majority of states, the primary electorate looks more like Iowa than it does New Hampshire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? no, it's true. and I th- But all of this is sort of conjecture in a static right, environment right, right. that I, I think, you know, you could game theory this thing to death. Bottom line is it looks really difficult right now for anybody to take on Donald Trump. Well-reasoned. Well-reasoned <laughs> as always, my friend. <laughs> all right, question 10. And, no, gee, I think uh, we're at nine. I think we're at nine. Are we at nine? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, geez, I'm getting thrown off here. This is uh, this one goes to Duncan. 
fantastic. This is from Zach. Hello, fellas. My name is Zach, and I have been raised to love God, America, and football. Oh, oh, come on. A, Here we man. go. I, I'm already lo- like reading ahead, and I'm worried. This is a good question. American. I'm worried. <laughs> I, see, I see Ashbrook smiling out of the corner of my eye, and I'm worried about what I'm about to read. <laughs> I play semi-professional football in the great state of northern red michigan huh. mm. you know semi-professional football man i love like this that guy. thing the colts play in indianapolis yeah ashbrook clearly read ahead and was waiting for me to read that for the shoe michael thanks a lot zach i really appreciate it <laughs> you'll get Great there question. you'll get there someday old man <laughs> i'm gonna attack zach <laughs> <laughs> anyway Given everything that has happened to Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines this year and the controversy surrounding the seriousness and validity, parenthetical, the lack thereof, of the NCAA investigation and Big Ten punishment of Harbaugh, do you fellas think Jim Harbaugh is the Donald Trump of college football world? Love you guys so much, but not Mm. more than angry Duncan. Well, love you too, Zach. (laughs) All I'm going to say is I saw the Detroit Lions play in the old Silver Dome, and that was nothing to write home about. Uh, he doesn't like Jim he had, Harbaugh because well, he's a he big had, Joe Paterno fan. He attacked the Colts. He attacked the Colts, so he I thought that was fair. Back. Okay. Okay. Who wants to answer first? Uh, I'll, I'll take this one first. Okay. Um, I do think, you know, I'm from Ohio. I do like Ohio State. I'm actually one of these guys from Ohio who respects Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach. I think he's one of the best. Um, I, I really think that any time you have an era where you can have a Nick Saban and a Jim Harbaugh coaching around the same time, you're very lucky in college football because our forefathers watch Bo Beckler and you know Woody Hayes and everybody else, and we get Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban. And I not Ryan. Day. I noticed Ryan Day didn't factor into that. I think you know. I think. Uh, Urban Meyer was a great coach. I think Jim Trestle was a good coach. I just think that, you know, a lot of people get so caught up in their their allegiances that they lose sight of the fact that Harbaugh, who is walking, uh, uh, walking these college football fields right now, is is something special. And I think he's. I I really think he's a great coach. You know, and I, I honestly I think the Colts they're going to do their best this year. They they did their best against the Bengals a couple weeks ago. <laughs> this isn't the question isn't even, even about the Colts. <laughs> what the hell's going on? I don't know how we got to Jim Trestle and the Indianapolis yeah. Colts, but here we are. Yeah. But I will say I will say that the that um, that the Colts have a shot <laughs> next year. You know, you you drafted a great quarterback. <laughs> Michael and I think Zach is a really smart guy. Thank you for taking good that head on his shoulders. Yeah, thanks for taking that first. Really appreciate it. Uh, I don't think that he's a uh, he's a Donald Trump character, but I do think in every profession there is somebody who has fallen out of favor with the elites, <clears throat> and in that situation, maybe there is some Trump esque type quality. But he is played well within the confines of the rules for decades and he decades. Hasn't. He hasn't He's actually. the son of a coach. His brother is a whale of a coach. He is. This guy is Mr. Football. This is not somebody who's an outsider who just dropped in on the scene and decided to blow up the system. This is somebody who has played and coached at a near Hall of Fame level his entire career. And my sense is that Jim Harbaugh, if you're not rooting 
for the Michigan Wolverines against the Alabama Crimson Tide, I feel sorry for you. Now, what I would like to say is, I just noticed Michael Duncan. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm googling Googled list of Jim Harbaugh NCAA violations. What he did not Google because they are very very long. Okay, what he did not Google was list of Jerry Sandusky NCAA. Yeah, violations. I noticed that. Wow. I noticed that. What was there was a few if I if I recall maybe a shower scene or two. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Big Penn My State God. guy. Penn State guy. Look, I grew up watching him with my grandpa. What can I say? So, uh, I, I, you want to go? I'll take a quick stab okay. at that. So I'm more of an NFL guy than a college football guy. Uh, so I'm not exactly going to weigh in directly on this, but I will say this, if I have to say anything about college football. Florida State is a trash. Oh, my God. This is incredible. Garbage organization. Florida God. State. And their what, fan what is base they, they is the biggest group it? of whiners. Period. Not just in athletics, not in sports, not in culture. Their fan base is the sorriest bunch Dude, of whiners I've ever seen in my life. You that team's overrated. They got way more love than they deserve. Cut his mic, Wolf. You know, I think they're Cut a horrible mic. team with a terrible following. This is this a horrible is, team <laughs> with a terrible following. <laughs> this is just this, cut his mic. <laughs> the blasphemy. I mean, he's just a troll. <laughs> <laughs> the good news with Smug is what you see online is actually who he is. He knows, <laughs> he knows that we all came out for Florida State, so here he is. So, uh, Duncan, what's your take here? I don't think Jim Harbaugh is the Donald Trump of college football. I, uh, he is in one sense, and that is like he has a long list of NCAA violations, some of which that are like super, super ticky tacky bullshit cheeseburger. with the cheeseburger yeah there's also a lot of stuff he did like during covid and other stuff where he sort of tampered which i think <laughs> allegedly allegedly there were a lot of those allegations had a lot of merit did okay? they yeah i don't know he's still coaching they did they did they actually he's had a lot coaching of and he's winning um did they, it, did it, they play? Did they play the Penn State Nittany Lions this year? I don't. Uh, what does that have to do with? Oh, I was just question? wondering. I didn't. I, Wait, did they play? See, this is the thing that always. They're in the same. This is what I'm noticing about the entire Q and A. Is like when the question is to me and about me. We everybody gets to weigh in, but when I weigh in, then it's like, oh, well, Duncan is filibustering. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> can I talk now? Am okay. I yeah. To you, talk? you finish. Am I allowed to talk? You finish. You finish. Am I allowed to talk? You finish, and then I have a question. Okay. Okay. You finish. Okay. You reserve the balance of your time. Okay. Um. I do not think he is the Donald Trump of, of college football because I, I don't really feel like he – I mean, he's, he's kind of like football royalty. Like, I think, if anything, like Deion Sanders is more the, do, the Donald Trump of college football right yeah, now. Yeah, you said this. In, in the, disrupt, he, the way he's disrupted, um, you know, the, the elite upper echelons of the sport with the new world that we live in with NIL and everything like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, it didn't work out this year, and I – predicted that at the beginning of the season well, and I was no attacked Sudama, for that I was attacked for that oh, you just don't like you just don't like again, rooting for again, nice things again, I said the same thing I said again, they're not, not going to make a bowl and they're not going to have a winning season everybody's and this gonna is going to interrupt, interrupt me I on said my that question. and then Duncan copies my take the question to me again uh, so I think <laughs> I think I think Deion Sanders would be I think it'd be more apt to say it was Deion Sanders um, but I, I think Jim Harbaugh is a fine coach Wolverines are a great team, and I hope they beat Alabama. The okay, end. there it is. There it is. All right. Well, I think we covered the ground on college football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, always, we, need to, we need to do a sports podcast. And I love after we go through a, a self-admitted uh, procedure where uh, Smug admits he doesn't watch college football, then he professes great knowledge over Florida State and Deion Sanders. There's did, one thing I do know. All he did was listen to my segment defending Florida State and decided to countervail that. But it's true. <laughs> Everyone knows it's true. <laughs> okay. All right, question 10. And I don't know what this is. Uh but this goes yeah, no. to you, Smash. Yeah, this- okay, so I actually saw a little bit of this. Oh, in, you did? In, in the, in, no, I didn't see the question. Oh. But I saw this in the pre-production. I saw Wolf hand Ashbrook uh, like I'm worried an, about env- an envelope, like a secret envelope, and we're not allowed to see it, apparently. But I saw that in pre-production, so it's legit. This is a real question. Yeah, oh, who knows what the hell this could be. Okay, it's a very special question. I'm going to reach into my pocket and... Oh, he's, he's saved the theatrics for and, us. This and, is great. Uh, and pull it out. No, he's going to slowly... think like Pricewater, who's Cooper for like tallying this. <laughs> it looks like it's out of... Yeah, no, I've carried this in my pocket for a couple of days. <laughs> this is question number 10. As an avid fan of the program, I'd like to wait, take... Wait, who, who, who sent this in? Is there a name? You, just, just wait. You should read the name just first, wait. but okay. As an avid fan of the program, I'd like to take this opportunity to address the relentless bashing of Michael. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, no. <laughs> is this from my mother? Oh, no, I know immediately. 100%. I know immediately who it is. My mom wrote in. <laughs> I immediately know this is my mom. Is this my mom? <laughs> oh, God, I hope it let is. Me, let me finish. Please let me finish. After all, don't you think he deserves a safe place with the fellas when he's being attacked by libs on a daily basis? I mean, look, being married to the original old man for 40-plus years, I get how much fun it can be. This I mean, is horrible. <laughs> the greatest gift. Just, what a way to start the I year. Lo- so wonderful. I love her so much. Uh I mean that laugh and the fact that he is so disturbingly accurate at all times. I get it, but he gives his all for the cause. Dressing in ridiculous costumes, singing silly songs, chugging beers, he deserves more respect. (laughs) On a much more serious note, keep up the good work. Just don't make me come up there. Signed, Michael's extremely proud mom, Mrs. Duncan, aka the Pitbull. <laughs> That's awesome. I I just think she's the best. I, I love this awesome. woman so much. I love that, and I I love Wolf that you saved that for a secret. That was well played. That was we've been waiting to hear from your mother for quite some time. Yeah, and I knew it was going to come in the form of some recriminations. Uh, she has uh, threatened on numerous occasions. <laughs> to call into the show. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to foreclose that as an option. Uh, and, you know, well, just, you know. You know, there's been some times I've been talking to her on the phone and and she will complain about something that I said on the show or somebody said on the show. And uh, always it ends with a threat to, like, call in. <laughs> so I, I want to weigh in. Can I, can oh, I? this should be good. So here's what I'll do because I'm a man of my word. I'll make a deal with Mrs. Duncan. <laughs> You tell us the three most embarrassing stories about Michael growing up. And the platform's yours? And and I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, it'll get worse. Yeah, oh, it's going to get worse. 
Nobody can. That's a fair deal. That isn't a threat because my my mother would murder you. No, like no, no, no. There will be a discussion. She's from Pennsylvania. She doesn't. She doesn't respond to threats. She cannot be negotiated with. She is. It'd be like trying to like make a deal with the Joker. She would just kill you. She would just kill you. It's the fairest deal. And I say, I say that with absolute love, Mom. I love you very, very, very much. And thank you for writing, and we appreciate it. And also, I want to congratulate her for raising such a sweet and caring young man. He's a very nice boy. He's trying to get out from underneath the knife. But right. still, well, it, it, it's a great deal. And I would love done. to know, and also send in maybe the most embarrassing photo of him as a child. Yeah, oh, we've already seen some of that. <laughs> what? It's a great deal. And our, our our listeners and viewers would love it. There's one with a cello that I, I, mm-hmm. I think we, we should He does play the cello. He plays the cello. He, he did does. Play the cello. He, he was a very accomplished musician. Anyway, no, listen, a, a, you're not a, a going, you will not find, you will not find a better family on this planet than the Duncan family for which Michael attributes his name. So I appreciate the, the write-in. I, my mom listens to and thankfully keeps most of her opinions, of which she has many, to herself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fellas, I think that concludes our Q and A. Uh, you got to remember to go to our YouTube station if you want to see us having fun in person. But otherwise, welcome to 2024. It's a big one. I, I think, think we did it. Yeah, I think so. Absolute banger of an episode, gentlemen. And again, thank you so much to our listeners. And like Holmes said, hit up the YouTube, subscribe, see us in high definition. And thanks again, Mrs. Duncan, for that wonderful note. <laughs> <laughs> so, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless. 